with Alan Mosley. Guys, welcome back for another episode of It's Too Late. I am your host, Alan Mosley, joined as always by my co-host and the number one producer in late night is Mike Osborne. Hey, how's it going, Alan? Doing good today. Did you have a good Thanksgiving, buddy? I did. I've, I've, I've actually made it out of there without gaining too many pounds. I'm kind of proud of myself. What's, what, well, define too many. What's too many? Two is enough. I, I will allow myself a good two pound gain on the holidays, and that's about it. And that's, that's, that's generous. Yeah. Yeah, two pounds. Uh, you know, I, we didn't really do much for things. I actually really? was just packing to get ready to travel because I, I went to the Knoxville area, and we yeah. were working on the documentary and stuff, so... So that was my Thanksgiving was that. That was my Thanksgiving was oh. just was just pencil travel. pushing. Yeah, and travel. Just travel. Man, I'm speaking of that, I hate traveling so much. I'm so tired. I just ugh, yeah. I can't I can't go on. <laughs> what's your preferred what's your preferred method of travel? I didn't, I don't know, man. And just and you know what too is that so I was coming down here today and I was remembering that you know we we recorded two shows yeah. in one. Yeah. And that was like a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So we we haven't we haven't hung out in a while yeah, actually. Man. You and I. I know. It's and weird. then and then coming down here today, I remember I was like, man, I don't even remember how to do this. <laughs> what what's the thing that I say at the beginning of the show? And what's I don't the know. thing? And yeah, we just we just kind of wing it, man. That's that's all we do. We're just kind of winging it. Yeah, winging it. So speaking of just winging it, that's uh-huh. I mean, we just don't don't kid yourself. <laughs> just winging it is basically what we do on this program every week. Yeah, we're professional um, wingers. Don't try this at home. Yeah. So speaking of that, do you ever do you ever do like I do sometimes, where you're you're sitting at the computer or you're killing time or whatever, and and you go down a rabbit hole where you see something. Yeah. And you click on it and oh, then yeah. it kind of it it brings to mind another question and then you click on that and all of a sudden. You've you've been sitting there for four hours reading. Oh yeah. oh yeah. And it's and sometimes sometimes it's something interesting. Like I click on something about John Wick and now all of a yeah. sudden I'm reading about Keanu Reeves's, you know, biography. <laughs> but other times it's 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 things that you you're clicked on it because you hate it. Like you see a right. thing and you're like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Let me see why it is people are saying that. Right. And all of a sudden, you're just in a whole world of people yeah. and things that you're like, how did I get here? Yeah. Totally. So I, I did that recently. Okay. I saw on Twitter that that uh, hashtag like cash relief now and all that oh, stuff yeah, was yeah. trending on Twitter. And of course, you know, they passed the big stimulus bill earlier in the year and yeah. we covered that on the show yeah. and they haven't really passed one like that. And so a lot of people basically are just are doing like the meme, like they're doing yeah. this and they yeah. want their stimulus check. <laughs> But specifically, what was trending was talking about stimulus checks going to the wrong places, going like right. over, going to people in other countries, and 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 so I saw that trending on Twitter, and it was because there was an NPR article, and it was in IRS says its own error sent twelve hundred dollars stimulus checks to non-Americans overseas. Brilliant. And I saw that, and I remember thinking, but I I already knew that though. Yeah. Like I had seen that before. Right. And. I didn't remember where it was. I saw okay. that, but I, I knew that that was old news, even right, right, though right. that art, that article right, right there was brand new. Yeah. And it was, and it was from Thomas Massey. So yeah. Thomas Massey, go. the Congressman from Kentucky, uh-huh. and, and he tweeted that he said, three months ago, I broke the news. The $1,200 U S stimulus checks were going to foreigners overseas. A lot of liberals didn't believe our government could be this incompetent and wasteful. Maybe they'll <laughs> believe it now that NPR has finally reported on it. So right. sure enough, there's there's the retweet right there uh-huh. before we get rid of it is yeah. August 14th. Yeah. So he had talked about back on August 14th 
that I guess one of his constituents or whatever had, had, had sent him a note and said, Hey, they're sending checks to just rent. Like here, here's my granny in Norway and she got a check. (laughs) And so the point being was, is that we already knew that that was happening, that that had happened. I mean, we definitely already knew that they were incompetent. Like imagine that the government can't do a thing. Um, but we already knew that they were messing up the stimulus and, but because NPR had reported on it, uh-huh. now it's like, it's real. Does that make oh, sense? Yeah. I, like now yeah, that, I, now that this institution that a lot of people would believe that a lot of people would not like, imagine this, some people wouldn't believe you or me. Oh yeah. I can't, I can't imagine what type of retard wouldn't believe you or me. Oh, we're totally fake, man. Yeah. We're fake news. We're fake news. But, but because NPR said it. Yeah. Well, it must well, have happened. Yeah. And so then because of that, I saw all these people, it was, it was trending about cash relief. Yeah. And I was like, so, so what are they talking about? And then the next thing I saw was this, Ugh. is that we need hashtag emergency. <laughs> I know they found the, the scariest picture, right? <laughs> they, they find the, yeah, no. It's a nightmare. So because people were arguing about Congress passing a new stimulus and that it should include stimulus checks for individuals. Now here's this whole list of things that they want stimulus to include. We'll go through this. Suspend rent. Wow. Suspend mortgage payments. (laughs) Emergency Medicare for all. $600 a week unemployment. And $2,000 a month UBI. Wow. Cancel student loan debt. Cancel medical debt. (laughs) Cover small business payroll. So now, basically they want like 10 grand a month from the government for every. Well, we're not going to, we're not going to like, cause wow, this isn't really crazy. our bit. This oh, is no. just the monologue. So I'm just, the only reason wow. I'm bringing this up is that I just went down the rabbit hole and saw all this crap. It's just the point being was, is that isn't it interesting how, because there's a lot of talk in the news about, yeah. about Congress is working on another round of stimulus. Yeah. Now the last, the most recent things that I saw is that they may pass another stimulus that might I mean, they're like, you, we know what they're going to do. They're going to bail out big corporate interests. Sure. They'll bail out the airlines again. Yeah. And they may, may refund the little like small business program thing. But now individual stimulus checks to people that's Uh currently not on the table. Really? So that's, that's not currently a thing. They may try to get that in there, but it's not currently a thing. But just the point being is, is that it's kind of like a shark smelling blood in the water, you know, how when, when it starts to become sort of discussed in the mainstream ether that, that the free money spigot might get turned on. Yeah. Then all of a sudden (laughs) you have people just crawling out of the woodwork saying, oh, well, well, while we're discussing free money, let's do this thing and let's do that thing. (laughs) And so finally that brings me around to, you remember Andrew Yang? Yeah. He he ran for the Democratic nomination. He didn't, he didn't really ever get anywhere, but he was, the reason, his claim to fame was he was a big UBI guy. He was one of the big, well, we should just have universal basic income. $2,000 $2,000 a month. And you saw that on that list. Yeah. And so a bunch of people were reminding kind of like, oh, do you remember Andrew Yang? Remember yeah. when he was running and remember he was saying, you know, we really need this, you know, we right. can afford it. Yada, right. yada. By, by the way, I don't know who we is. Yeah. I, I can't afford I, it. I don't know who we is. Yeah. So they had this meme, this quote meme of Andrew Yang. It says, nothing balances income inequality as effectively as money. <laughs> and so first of all, <laughs> I want to say 
that's just factually incorrect. Right. If you wanted to ba balance income inequality, then people who have a lower income need to need to learn job skills. They need to invent something. They need right. to make something. They need, yeah. they need to serve their fellow man. That's, that's how right. capitalism that's right. that's works. Right. And if they do those things, they'll make more money. Right. Whereas if I were to just write you a check, then when, when that check is out, when they, when you've spent that money, you now no longer have that money. Right. You'll be wanting another check as opposed to, right. as opposed to just, I don't know why Andrew Yang's still looking uh, at me, by uh, the way. Thank you. Just, he's um, a pretty guy. Well, you know. And so, oh, he's a pretty guy. Whatever, we, we've yeah. learned something about no, Blake no, 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 today no. on the program. He's dapper. I guess. Um, and so the point being is, is that no, no, Andrew, money won't just solve income. E because it's funny that even in his own phrase, he says income inequality. Yeah. Which brings me to the point that, you know, a lot of people conflate like income and wealth or right. cash and wealth right. as being the same thing. They're not really the same thing. Right. So someone with a higher income, and he's and he has said the phrase income inequality. Right. But he says the way to solve that is money. Well, I can give you money, yeah. but if you don't produce as much and therefore don't have as high of an income, eventually the tables balance back out. Right. Like no matter how much money you give a poor person today, there, there's there, there's the old phrase that people have said before that if you could magically push a button. And everyone on earth had exactly the same amount of money. It wouldn't take long before the people who were rich get back to being rich. Right. And the people who were poor uh -huh. get back to being That's poor. That's right. And there should, and there'll probably be exceptions. I'm sure that there are genuinely some people out there that have just had some bad luck in life. And if they uh -huh. were to get a get get a cool loan of a million dollars as as Trump said uh -huh. then then they would be able to turn that around into right. a favorable outcome sure i'm sh i'm sure of course yeah, of course but for a lot of people who don't know how to manage said wealth who don't produce anything of value who don't who don't command that kind of income because they don't really earn it right. and i know that that's a, even a controversial say, thing to say nowadays they would figure out a way to blow their money. Sure. And the people who were rich, who now have been made poor, they'd figure out a way to make that money back. Yeah. They didn't get rich for no reason. Right. Um, man, I thought Asians were supposed to be smarter than that. Ooh. Guys, we will be right back after the break. Don't go away. If you're enjoying tonight's show, consider supporting the program by becoming a member of our Patreon. That's over at patreon.com slash Alan Mosley. So I was talking to our friend Suzanne recently, and I had said to Suzanne, that, you know, she's always doing cool stuff up there in the mountains. Like she's yeah. always, cause she, cause she's really in, she's, she's a prepper. She's really into survival skills and preparedness. And she, and she, and she has her garden, you know, she has her ranch out there in Utah yeah. and she's growing things and making things. And, and I'm, I mean, I'm always just in awe. Yeah. Of, of like she she has her pictures of her there's the mountains in the background and there she is you know skills. like building an iPhone yep. and and so I'm always like wow I you know we gotta you know what we need to do is we need what? to have like a we need to have like a weekly or monthly segment from Suzanne where we just we have her do a thing 
And she, and she thought actually that was a good idea. Yeah. So we're going to, we're going to, we haven't, I don't think we've even decided yet what the name of this is, <laughs> but we decided we're going to, when Suzanne does something, we're going to have her make a video of it okay. and we're going to, we'll, we'll play it. It'll be like our little Jack handy yeah, there you here, go. here at the show. So, so, so Suzanne sent us something for th- that was Thanksgiving related. Okay. So pull, pull that up. Hey everybody, Suzanne here. I hope you all had an amazing Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving provides us with a unique opportunity to practice some really great preparedness skills. My favorite of which is making turkey stock. Turkey stock can be used throughout the year for soups, stews. Particularly, I love to use it for making my turkey gravy for the next Thanksgiving year. So 2021, this is going on my bird. You know, this year's Thanksgiving provided us with some unique challenges thanks to the government's um, keeping us safe due to the COVID pandemic. I know a lot of us had to forego some of our favorite family traditions and getting together. You know, maybe we had to meet with our families via via uh, video chat. But next year, once we all have our vaccinations, it will be safe to once again resume our favorite family traditions such as sibling rivalry, in-laws, tribal warfare around the table. With this added to your preps, you will be ready for Thanksgiving 2021. You know, so first of all, that took a turn there, right there at the end. But her pantry didn't didn't look the way I just thought her pantry would look. Yeah, it's a little small, yeah. wasn't it? I have <laughs> a bigger pantry. Than it wasn't as well stocked as yeah, I've always I, been. I, yeah. Well, actually, I, in a weird sort of way, it was well it was stocked. Kind of, kind of well stocked. It just it, it was well stocked, just where, not. Yeah. I've learned something today about yeah. survival. Yeah. So thank you. I, and I'm so there you go. I'm impressed that turkey stock can last a year. Hey, uh, hey, Blake. Yeah. What time is it? It's time for meme of the week. <laughs> so I was watching the college football and at a lot of places, different places have more stringent rules than others. But, you know, the band, the, the band, because you, you don't really have bands in pro sports. And one of the cool things about college sports is you have the bands. Right. And the band has to wear masks because everyone on the sidelines, everyone in the stands, if you're not on the field playing, you have to wear a mask. But they have to also play the horns. So they have mouth holes in the masks to play the instruments. I can't hold it, man. (laughs) Stupid. I mean, don't, when you play the thing, doesn't the air come out of the my son plays my son plays the saxophone and it's like you know i mean why well, i don't on. i don't i don't give i don't give two craps about the instrument there's they have mouth holes in yeah. the mask what's the point man it just goes to show God. that we just we live in a clown world oh we do nothing oh none of this matters it just doesn't it doesn't matter, matter. just it just doesn't. Just you know, just, just go to Suzanne's pantry, you know, and, yeah. and get what you need. Yeah, I, I, this like today's episode is not really about like 
the the Modelo virus or no, masks no, no, or anything. No, no, no. But I'm just going to come out and say it. If I see you wearing, like if you've got pictures on your social media of you and you've got a mask on, yeah. I lose all respect for you as a human being. Mm-hmm. I just, and I know I mean, there might be some people watching this right now who, like I understand if you have to wear one to go to the grocery store because you live in a really bad area when it comes to mandates or whatever. But the people who like, they flaunt it. Like, look, look how compliant I am. Like their, their avatar on Twitter is them wearing a mask. I don't respect you. Or worse, their Christmas cards have freaking masks on them. I don't respect you. Like, I'm just saying it. I'm just saying it so that now you know that. And I'm not, I'm not being facetious. I don't respect you. So if that offends you, this isn't the program for you. I'm just saying. Yeah. Just anyway, let's, let's, let's get into more cheerful. This is the holiday season, Blake. Yeah. Why aren't you being more cheerful? Uh, yay. Let's, let's answer some viewer mail. serious by the way this was not in this week's viewer mail it was okay. actually in a in a uh, from a few weeks ago now okay. actually and okay. i forgot to answer it um okay. our friend ryan seifert who sometimes answers uh sends us viewer mail okay. had said just just kind of off the cuff he's got that microphone on his desk i bet it's yeah. not even on oh yeah it's on baby it's, it's on, on right there so there you go so i'm That's gonna right. Ryan, it Ryan. Hey, so it's on. Yes. So there you go. There you go. Uh, anyway, Bob Smiley <laughs> writes, dear Alan and Blake, how do you like your steak cooked? How do, so, or I think actually he said meat. I, I changed that to steak because yeah. I think most people, when they think of how they cook their meat, you're, it's, it's really like a steak argument. Okay. So Bob, there's, there's two kinds of people. There's people who like their who like their meat cooked like medium rare or mm-hmm. less mm-hmm. Yeah. and there's communists. Okay. There's your answer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, was, there was an old clip on, um, on King of the Hill where, uh, Hank Hill was yeah. set with like their cooking burgers. Uh-huh. And he says something about like, like you can tell the burger is a perfect medium rare because of the, the pink or the red or whatever. Right. And, and Bobby says to his dad, um, well, what if they want theirs well done? And Hank says, then we ask them politely yet firmly to leave. <laughs> so there, there you go, Bob. There's your answer to that. Well, I, I guess, I guess in all fairness, well, Blake, do, do you agree or are you a communist? I absolutely agree. Okay. It's got to right. have a little bit of red juice coming out of it or you're just wasting your time. There you go. Yeah. 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 I I, I want I want my meat to still feel pain when I bite it. Lord. There you go. <laughs> uh, Andrew Avery writes, Dear Alan and Blake, if a dentist gets an award revoked, do they remove his plaque? Wah, wah, wah. We, we got to get one of those horn, like. Yeah. 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 Wow. I, you know, my favorite one is The Price is Right. You know, the bum, bum, ba dong. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but I, I don't we think get we get a copyright we, strike for that. Yeah, the yeah, CBS will yeah. attack us yeah, if we literally. But I think that's only if you like use theirs. If we yeah. create, like if we recreate it originally yeah. as an artist. Yeah. Like if we just. Raspberry. I mean, we're here you at the know. studio. If we just have you go into yeah. the red room over uh-huh. there and play a little bump, 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 bump. Or just go. No, I'm talking. 
You ruin everything. <laughs> just cut your mic for the rest of the show. That's God a raspberry. Come on. Clay Davis writes, Dear Alan and Blake, Yay. when selecting a Christmas tree, do Uh-oh. you prefer a Scotch pine, a white pine, a Fraser fir, a Douglas fir, or a Colorado blue spruce? And, and, he, and he adds, and yes, these are legit types of Christmas trees, not names of designer weed. <laughs> so I got to, this is not a good question for me. Yeah. Because I don't. I don't have a Christmas tree because oh. I'm, I'm actually just a giant Grinch and okay. I don't really love the Christmas. I just thought you was broke. I don't know. Well, Anna Kay, Anna Kay's got tree. one of those little trees, you know, oh, yeah, like, like a tree that can sit on a, on a table Yeah. and it's like, you know, it's like yeah. yay tall and it's got yeah. like ornaments and stuff. And go. it's like right in the window, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. So she does, I think she mostly just does that. To like as an affront to me personally. Oh, okay. I think she has that tree because she's like, well, I'm gonna have a tree. Um, which I, it's not that I'm saying I'm not one of those people that's like, hey, you can't have a tree. I'm just saying that if it were, if Anna Kay's tree weren't there, then we wouldn't have one. Yeah. I, I don't go out of my way. Yeah. You you just need a Festivus pole, you know. So so to answer your question, Clay, why does it got to be a white pine? Clay's a racist. Racist. <laughs> Racist. Uh, Jonathan Carranza writes, viewer mail. Yay. That's not, uh, that's not a question. He messed up. Well, he, he added a question later. What oh, is your you favorite go. Star Wars series? Oh. Well, well, you sounded like you had an opinion. Well, Let's... I want to hear yours first. Okay. Um, well, I mean, if you're saying Star Wars series like TV as opposed to... Yeah. Like... Movies. I mean, if to me, if you're going to include movies and you're going to say you're saying like series like the original trilogy, prequel trilogy, Disney trilogy, Disney trilogy doesn't even exist as far as I'm concerned. It's such okay. absolute garbage. So, I mean, I'm going to say original trilogy, obviously, okay. because I'm an intellectual. Um, you, you must be a communist if you like any other series. Um and as far as the ones that are on TV, like Clone Wars and Rebels, yeah. I've actually never watched them. I wow, mean, dude. I've heard Man. that they're good. But being an anime lover, dude, you're missing out. Well, I, I don't, I wouldn't really consider that anime because it's not really Japanese. Yeah, you're it's, probably right. Yeah. Star Wars Rebels. So you, so Rebels, you like Rebels. I like Rebels. I've heard Rebels is like, it, that's for kids and start, and Clone Wars is more adult. Dude, Imagine that. Blake liked the kitty one. Come on. Blake likes the kitty one. Um. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm being a jerk. I've heard they're good. I just, I, yeah, it's very good. There's like several seasons. Yeah. I, I haven't dedicated the time to watch that crap. Oh man. Well, okay. So, the, okay. So the problem is now though, is that Disney made a terrible trilogy that uh-huh. totally ruins the entire star Wars universe. Yeah. So unless they're going to retcon that, it ruins me from wanting to watch anything because uh-huh. I know where it ends up. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. So it's like, okay, yeah. see, like you're, you're giving me, you're giving me like Vietnam flashbacks to Game of Thrones. Like the ending <laughs> yeah. of Game of Thrones was so bad yeah. that I won't go back and watch the early seasons. Right, Even you, though the early right. seasons were really good, yeah. it's just, it's just so irrevocably ruined for me that I won't go yep. back and watch it. I still haven't watched The Last Jedi. I'm terrified to watch it. I'm afraid it's going to completely ruin everything or I'm going to love it. I don't know. Well, and I, I won't, I won't watch right. the Disney movies. So okay. there you go. Uh, Celeste Annis writes, do you have a favorite Christmas ornament on your tree? So we can... <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> um, refer to Clay's question. Do you, do you have a favorite ornament, Blake? 
No, my kids my kids put ornaments on it every year, and they're all various different kinds. All right. So there Sometimes you go. it's a cat. <laughs> uh, Suzanne Sherman, you know, Suzanne shouldn't get to have a video and then also get to ask a question. I know. That's, yeah. It's too rock star. Too, too much. Yeah. Suzanne writes, Dear Alan and Blake, for Christmas dinner, ham or beef? I don't think I've known anyone that does beef. I just, I'm it's just ham or turkey. Roast, Joe. What? I'm fixing to do a pot roast. You're going to do a pot roast for Big Christmas? Big old pot roast for Christmas. Yeah, man. Good huh. stuff. Well, we did the, you know, you did the turkey thing and the ham thing for Thanksgiving. It only leaves one kind of meat. Well, well I mean, like we fish. do turkey and ham for Thanksgiving, and then we do turkey and ham for Christmas. But we don't really do, like, sometimes we'll have a country ham. Yeah. But we don't do ham regularly throughout the year. And we ne- we basically never do turkey except for the holidays. So so we'll do both. We'll do yeah. ham and turkey both and yeah. do both of them at Christmas and do both of them at Thanksgiving. And then, yeah. then that's it. So, there you go. So, to, so for that question, I guess ham. Okay. So the Fair answer enough. is ham with with the with the thin caveat that around here we like country ham. There you go. And if you don't know what country ham is compared to like just your typical little honey glazed, yeah. then you're missing out. Big time. Country ham is where it's at. That's right. Oh yeah, it's dope. Um Jeff Johnson writes, Dear Alan and Blake, what is your favorite Christmas movie? Is it either A, it's a wonderful life, or B, Die Hard? Now see what Jeff's trying to do here is he's trying to bait us into the whole debate over whether or not Die Hard is a Christmas movie. The answer is, is that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. It is. And between those two movies, because he says A or B, so yeah. I guess it's not technically your favorite. It's your favorite of these two. two. Right. So between It's a Wonderful Life and Die Hard, I guess my favorite movie is Die Hard. Mine's Gremlins. All right. Well, okay. So, so Gremlins is your favorite Christmas movie, but of That's those great. two, what is your favorite? B. Because hmm? I, it's a wonderful life. Was, it's a wonderful life's kind of depressing, actually. <laughs> and it's got, it what's his name? What's, sleep. what's that actor's name? Um, I don't know. Was it Gregory Peck or something like no, that? No, it's Stewart. Oh, an old guy. Jim, James Stewart or Jim Stewart. What? Jimmy Stewart? Jimmy Stewart or whatever. Uh, who knows? You know, it Black walks like this. Oh, Merry Christmas. I, 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 whatever. What, what, whatever. Wow. I, I know. I, I don't do impressions. Let's go screw yourself. Job. I don't do yeah. impressions. You did a very good job. The only impression I do actually yeah. is a, is a person from like Bangladesh calling you about your long distance service. You know, we need to do that to some people. I, so that's the only impression that, I do well. And yeah. I don't, but if you do that too much, people uh-huh. think you're a racist. So I yeah. don't do it too much. Okay. We're going to save that for episode 150. So next year's live show here at the studio, everyone's invited. You can go get your tickets at, right. uh, from our Facebook That's page right. and the Eventbrite page. It'll, it's March 20th. Mm-hmm. I, I've been forgetting to advertise. Yeah, i got to start remembering yeah, yeah. to advertise oh, this. March 20th next year. We had one this year, uh-huh. and everyone loved it. It was a huge yep. success. So we're going to do it next year. It's March 20th. Yep. Remind me. Yes. At the show next year, for uh-huh. the people for the people in attendance, mm-hmm. I will do that impression. Okay. The, the long distance service guy. Who would be done? Because um, because we because we, we keep our racism internal. That's yeah, yeah, that's yeah. why. Yeah, that's why we get. Uh, and then Sherry voluntary writes, uh, "How many things was Sarah Fuller not given? Uh, can I get a raise in my salary from postcards from Somalia now?" So so first of all, Sherry, no, you cannot get a raise. <laughs> 
because we don't have, so we don't have a minimum wage here in Somalia. So, so no. And second of all, we're actually going to talk about Sarah Fuller later in the show. So for people who don't know, she was the girl who's the goal goalkeeper for the women's team at Vanderbilt University. Yep. And the football team didn't have a kicker because everyone got the Modelo virus. And so they needed a kicker. So they, they let her, they let her try out and they decided to suit her up and have her kick. We're actually going to talk about that later in the show. Yeah. So we're going to save that for right now. Yes. In the meantime, we'll be right back. Don't go away. Your ad could be playing right now, reaching thousands of potential customers. Sadly, it's not, but it could be. Find out how to be an advertised sponsor for It's Too Late with Alan Mosley. Email us at alan at funnybroke.com. You know, we really need to update our commercials to yeah. not have email addresses that we don't use anymore. Yeah, that's something that I kind of caught there for a second. You, you still get email at that, you know. From I mean, I, I'm glad that you caught it because I feel like there. that's something that you should fix. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> that is something I should try to get on. That's how, as, as, as I've one of those, come to... Uh, producer type things. As I've come to say lately, that sounds like a you problem, not <laughs> yeah, a me that, problem. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess it is a me problem because if people are trying to give us money or sponsorships and they can't get through, then it is a me problem. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I'm delegating the problem. Is that email totally dead? No. I'm pretty sure it is. You shouldn't kill your old email addresses. I mean, but it's Don't not Don't ever right. burn those bridges. You know, you never know what no, can No, but it's through. incorrect. Okay. Well, it's incorrect, but they still work. You should know enough about... Okay, we've got to take a break from the show so that Blake and I can have a conversation. You should know enough about me by now that I'm a, that I'm a no half measures kind of a guy. No, you, you are That right. when you we move to a different address, yeah. then the old address is no more. It's burned. Yes. I've been known to burn a bridge every now and again. Yeah, I know. Now you know that about yeah. me. So anyway... Um, actually got some sad news. So we were actually, originally I had planned to talk about the Thomas Massey and, and NPR and stimulus check thing as a segment on the show. And I decided to kind of, to sort of just shove that into the monologue and not make it into a segment. I like how you did that. You just slipped it right in there. Because literally this morning, um, when I was coming down to the studio, I mean, this is live. So we're actually on your TV right now at, at, at nine Eastern time, whatever. Um, so when I was coming down to do the show, I had seen the news that, uh, Dr. Walter E. Williams, um, there's, there's Walter right there had, apparently he had passed away last night or, or this morning. He was 84 years old. And, uh, I mean, God, what a juggernaut, just what an absolute, just, um, just a beast hard in the paint as they say, which is funny for him because he, he, I think he played basketball when he was a younger man. Um, Amazing economist, amazing free market guy, amazing capitalist guy, um, a libertarian. I'm, I don't think he, I don't think he was an anarchist. He definitely was the kind of guy that would tell you taxation is theft, and he would say it unapologetically. Um, along with Dr. Thomas Sowell, um, is is known. I mean, let's let's not mince words. I mean, the man was black, and so because he was black, he took it upon himself to write and speak a lot about things like 
uh, like minimum wage, about, about things like welfare and the war on poverty that was started during the Johnson administra administration, um, to talk about the black family and the upward mobility that, that blacks enjoyed post-slavery, post-Jim Crow, um, and then how that was in a lot of ways stunted because of the state. And, and how and how the state has had has has created negative incentives and has has affected the black community in bad ways and under the guise of of help um so what a guy if you i don't i don't want to sit here and just eulogize the man because i I've, i sometimes i really think that's cringy how when when a popular person passes away everyone like they rush to do that, you know, like they rush to say, look, everyone, this is me talking about this important figure who passed away. Everyone, everyone rushes. I actually, I'll give you a, I'll give you a perfect antidote. Thank, thank God he's still with us. But when Ron Paul had his medical episode, um, I, I guess a couple of months back now, maybe, um, he, he had, he had had, a, I think, I guess he had a stroke and, and he's, he's fine. And I mean, he was like back to work the following Monday. What a, what a just beast. Um, but the point being was, is that when, when he had had that episode, which was, which was very public because he had, he had had this incident on air on his program, you just had everyone crawling out of the woodwork to post videos of it and, and say, Oh no, not Dr. Paul. It's like, it's like the man wasn't even dead yeah. and everyone was just <laughs> rushing to talk about it. And I was like, you know, it's one thing to talk about him out of like respect and, and, and to talk about inspiration and that sort of thing. But you can very quickly cross that line into you're just, you're being a bit op opportunistic, I guess is what I'm saying. So I, I'm not going to sit here and eulogize the man. He was 84 years old. Um, his, his wife, Connie passed away, I believe in 2007. So if you're the type of person who is, a, who is spiritual in nature, then, then maybe you'll take comfort in knowing that, that he and Connie are reunited now. And, uh, but he was, I know he was an inspiration to a lot of people, but instead of us, and, and, and by the way, if you, if you want to, if you want to kind of see sort of a little, uh, like a little presentation about Walter Williams, you can actually, you can just find it on YouTube. There's uh, Suffer No Fools which was the name of about like a little hour long sort of like documentary focus on Dr. Williams's life and where he came from and some of the, you know, challenges he overcame and, and, and what he, what he worked on, what, what his, what his life's work was. So it, it was called, it was called Walter Williams Suffer No Fools, which by the way, what a name for a documentary about yeah. you, Suffer No Fools. And and if anything, that's just impressive to me because first of all, if you knew the man, you knew that he he was a straight shooter, and he'd tell you like it is, and he was unapologetic in what he in what he believed. But just the fact that there's a lot of kind of just milk toast, just sort of like the the hearts and minds folks, yeah. the people who are like, well, we gotta we gotta bring people to our side, and so we want to you know we want to be approachable, we want to. We, 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 we want to win hearts and minds. It's not that he wasn't trying to convince people, but he was going to convince people because he knew he was right and he was going to show you how he was right. He wasn't going to coddle you. He wasn't going to try to make you feel good and try to tell you that the, that the truth shall set you free. He was just going to tell you like it is. Yeah. And so if, you, if you're really interested in that, you can find Walter Williams' Suffer No Fools. It's, it's like free to watch on YouTube. So if, you, if, you, if you're interested in that, you can go watch that. But in, in, I thought instead of instead of us doing a whole segment where we're going to sit here and talk about 
what he meant to us and, 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 and his life's work and, and, and that he drove a cab in Philly and all that stuff. You can get that from the documentary. What we're actually going to talk about is, is one of his recent works. And so everyone's talking about the lockdowns and, and the Rona and all that stuff. So, so Dr. Williams actually wrote that just earlier this year, benefits versus costs and the Modelo virus. And so as you, as you probably will not be shocked to learn, uh, Dr. Williams was not a big fan of the shutdowns and, and he didn't think that that was particularly good government policy. And so I'm, I'm going to go into this a little bit. So he starts off with one of the first lessons in an economics class is everything has a cost. That's in stark. Con- you can get rid of that, Blake. Blake, you and I need to have a conversation. I've discussed this with you off air like 20 times. I thought you were just going to read it. I'm reading it here, but Good. you don't. You, that's just a reference point because we're on a visual medium, Blake. Jesus. Go ahead. Continue. I, I know that some people like it when I yell at you because that's on the drinking game. And so right have now, to make sure they got something to do. Yeah. Like Jonathan and his, his group right now are just, yeah, they're fighting. To be hundred percent honest with you. I'm never really sure when to turn those off. It's a reference point. <laughs> Anyone who's ever seen a TV show once in their life understands that it's a I, reference. I just watch cartoons. I know. I know you watch star Wars rebels. Apparently you're ruining, you're ruining, you're ruining my expose on Walter Williams and how important he was. He was important. Please continue. He was important. Very important. All right. One of the first lessons in an economics class is everything has a cost. That's in stark contrast to lessons in the political arena where politicians talk about free stuff. We talked about that earlier in the show. Mm-hmm. In our personal lives, decision-making involves weighing costs against benefits. Businessmen make the same calculation if they want to stay in business. It's an entirely different story for politicians running the government where any benefit, however minuscule, is often deemed to be worth any cost, however large. Related to decision-making is the issue of being overly safe versus not safe enough. You know, you, you, you see people say that all the time mm-hmm. of if you're against masks or if you're against lockdowns, then of course, well, why th- we're trying to save lives. Why do you not want to save these people? Because of course, if you're against their policy, you can't have any legitimate reasons to g- be against their policy. You can only want to see granny die. So he's addressing that. So sometimes being as safe as one can be is worthless. An example, how many of us before driving our cars inspect the hydraulic brake system for damage? We'd be safer if we did, but most of us just assume everything is okay and get in our car and drive away. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration estimates that 40,000 Americans lose their lives each year because of highway fatalities. Virtually all those lives could be saved with a mandated five mile per hour speed limit. Fortunately, we consider costs and rightfully conclude that saving those 40,000 lives aren't worth the costs and inconvenience of a five, five mile per hour mandate. So that's interesting to word it that way because our detractors, because they're always, because these are people who operate in the arena of my fields. They don't operate in the arena of, 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 of my facts and logic. And so so that's a beautiful example. So you'd say to them, well, why, why shouldn't we all drive five miles an hour on the interstate? If we did, there'd be way less people. Nary all of them wouldn't be getting in fatal car accidents. So they must not care about those people's lives, right? With the costs and benefits in mind, we examine our government's response to the Rona. 
The first thing to keep in mind about any crisis, be it war, natural disaster, or pandemics, is we should keep markets open and private incentives strong. Why? Markets solve problems because they provide the right incentives to use resources effectively. Federal, state, and local governments have ordered any unprecedented have ordered an unprecedented and disastrous shutdown of much of the U.S. economy in an effort to slow the spread of the virus. There's a strictly health-related downside to the shutdown of the U.S. economy, ignored by our leadership that has been argued by epidemiologist Dr. Newt Witkowski, formerly the head of the Department of Biostatistics, Epidemiology, and Research Design at Rockefeller University in New York City. Witkowski argues that the lockdown prolongs the development of, quote, herd immunity, which is our only weapon in exterminating the novel virus outside of a vaccine that's going to optimistically take 18 months or more to produce. He says we should focus on shielding the elderly and people with comorbidities while allowing the young and healthy to associate with one another in order to build up immunities. Witkowski says, So it's very important to keep the schools open and kids mingling to spread the virus to get herd immunity as fast as possible. And then the elderly people who uh, who should be separated and the nursing home should be closed during that time and can come back and meet their children and grandchildren after about four weeks when the virus has, or when they've developed herd immunity. Wachowski argues that would stop a, quote, second wave headed for the United States in the fall. And what's interesting is, is that this article was written back in April. Yeah. And it's touching on so many huge topics that have been in the news very recently. And you think of things like the Great Barrington Declaration and where they're talking about a a focused attempt to protect the elderly while keeping the rest of the world open and and, and particularly keeping schools open, which by the way, even, even experts at the CDC and in, and in tyranny ridden places like, like New York state have said recently, well, you know, we probably should keep schools open here. They were saying those things back in April, right? but of course you were just a, a kook if you were saying that back in April. Um, so, so skipping, uh, skipping down a little bit, the bottom line is that costs can be concealed, but not eliminated. Moreover, if people only look at the benefits from a particular course of action, they will do just about anything because everything has a benefit. Political hustlers and demagogues love promising benefits when the costs can easily be concealed. By the way, the best time to be wrong and persist in being wrong is when the costs of being wrong are borne by others. The absolute worst part of the pandemic and possibly its most unrecoverable or unrecoverable damage is the massive power that Americans have given to their federal, state, and local governments to regulate their lives in the name of protecting health. Taking, uh, Taking back that power should be the most urgent component of our recovery efforts. It's going to be challenging. Once a politician and his bureaucracy gains power, he will fight tooth and nail to keep it. Now, I really want to harp on that last, that last line there in the last paragraph. The best time to be wrong and persist in being wrong is when the costs of being wrong are borne by others. Really? I, I, w- I would add to that, if, if, I, if I dare would add to anything Dr. Williams said, is that, that that is especially so for people who ultimately won't bear any of the consequences for being wrong. Right. If you or I make a poor financial or business decision, we're going to bear 
the consequences of our actions. We're, we're going to have to go without in some other way. We won't, we won't have that wealth back to use on something else or, or our businesses could close because we made poor decisions and now we're out of business. But probably one of the worst thing I've talked about this before, probably one of the worst things about just the, the, the Modelo virus era that we live in is the, the, the worst actors, the bad actors, the politicians, the, the Cuomo's of the world shoving the COVID patients into the nursing homes, the, the lockdowners and the maskers. If once it, once it is irrevocably proven that masks don't really work, which by the way, it's kind of, it, masks it don't work. Been, yeah. Masks don't work. Um, the lockdowners, the people who, you know, a lot of people nowadays are saying, boo hoo, we have to support small businesses because they're hurting. Well, why are they hurting jackass? It's because you guys were for the lockdowns that forced all these small bit, you know, the Amazons and the Costco's of the world were still Uh making money. Oh yeah. But the small businesses were the ones that had to close their doors. The small businesses were the ones that to this very day, if you're a small business owner in, in New York City and you ignore the mandates, they'll, they'll just, they'll come carry you out of your own yeah. business in handcuffs. That's right. They'll shut you down. So you, you jack offs were, were supporting that crap. And then you turn around and say, oh, small businesses are hurting. We got to support them. Of course, their idea of support is just give them money. Yeah. Well, they would have, they would have earned money if, if they were allowed to stay open and not had a gun pointed to their heads and saying, you have to close. So the worst thing about it is, is the people that supported those lockdowns, particularly the politicians who signed them into law, who man, who made these mandates official, the, the Cuomo's of the world who put sick patients in nursing homes, thereby giving the genuinely most at risk people exposed to the virus. They will never suffer any consequences for their actions. Right. You and I will be the ones who will have to bear the brunt of the social costs, the economic costs of the lockdowns, of, of the, of not of the virus, of the response to the virus. But the people responsible for said response, by and large, never have to reckon with it. And that's, that's really the biggest shame out of, out of this whole thing. And in the corporate press, the press who six months ago championed one line, who may meekly nowadays, and barely that, but or may meekly a few months from now say, well, you know, turns out we should have kept the schools open. Turns out maybe the masks didn't really have much of an effect. But those same media giants who six months ago were saying, this is how it is. And if you disagree with that, your fake news, the, the Facebooks and YouTubes of the world who were putting their fact checkers were putting their little things on your videos. I know Tom Woods was, this happened to him recently about his, one of his COVID talks and, and the Facebook fact checkers came for him and YouTube took the video down and Facebook added the little fact check of, of this is false. Health officials say this isn't right. When ultimately it is proven right. Uh-huh. And they, and, and for those of them who do admit, okay, maybe we jumped the gun and maybe you were right, but they won't have to suffer any consequences and they're not arguing in good faith. That's, and that's the last thing I'll say on this before we move on is 
If it were a good faith debate where you have your position and I have mine and we can argue it, our positions with one another, then that's all well and good. But it's not good faith because these people want to shut you down. We're throttled all the time. We're completely dependent on you guys, the viewers, to like and share this program. Sh show a friend. Let them know, hey, go check out this guy. We love the show. It's too late with Alan Mosley. Check this show out. Yeah. Because we're throttled on social media everywhere we turn because they don't like what we have to say. Right. And if we say something they don't like, they can go so far as to just deplatform us. Right. Now, if they decide six months later to no longer have that stance, does that give us back that reach? No. Are they going to go back and, and promote our video as, as opposed to having shut? Of course not. Because they will never bear the brunt of the consequences for their actions. And that's probably the worst part. Well, I guess I'll just end with, because uh, I, I, I want to turn back to Dr. Williams really quick before we go our, to the next commercial break, is that this article, just like with many things Walter Williams wrote about and talked about, is that he was courageous in talking about things that were not always very popular. There are things that you and I might agree with and people aren't, but even the mainstream today may not agree with, you know, he was very much against the minimum wage, against affirmative action. Um, and it was, and it was, it was, it carried weight for a black man to have come from a poor background in Philadelphia, to have earned his PhD in economics on the West coast, to have gone on to had such a successful career and to say those things. Um, it's, it's profound. And, and this article is just, it's just scratching the surface of, of all the things he was so right on. And he didn't care. He, he didn't care what platforms thought it was fashionable to have those opinions. It was just, here it is. Yeah. And so we'll miss him. And like I said, remember it's Walter Williams, Suffer No Fools. If you're really interested in learning a little bit about his life, uh, you can go watch that on YouTube. Um, the last thing I'll say about him is one of his favorite quotes was, is, you know, value is subjective, which is something we talk about and something you, you learn in economics. And he would say, you know, of course, health is important. Of course, being, living a healthy life, you want to live a long time. He lived to be 84, certainly not a short life, but you know, you want to live to be, have a long, happy life, healthy life. But he said, but you know, if I die and I, and I have clean lungs that aren't black and full of tar. All that means I just, I just didn't smoke enough. <laughs> I didn't have enough cigars. And he says, you know, if I die and, and, and my arteries aren't full of buildup, then that just means I didn't have enough bacon cheeseburgers. Yeah. If I die and I have a perfectly healthy and functioning liver, I just didn't have enough beer. Yeah. And I always, I always loved that because what he was ultimately getting at was, is that it's, it's one thing to believe in, in all of those things, but it's another to have policy drive and force people to make those decisions. I don't think you should force people to make those decisions about their health in the same way. I don't think you should mandate masks or, or force businesses to shut down, but he would say that about individual choices as well. And so I guess all, all I'll conclude with, and, and we'll go to the commercial break is, is that, um, I, I, I hope that Dr. Williams had very black lungs and, 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 and clogged arteries and, and, a and a, and a liver on its last legs. I hope, go. I hope he got to live his life to the fullest. I, I think he did. So 
there, there won't be another one quite like them. Guys, we'll be right back after this break. better yeah we're doing better better. yeah so by the way i want to say really quick before we talk about sarah fuller okay uh, that was the 10th that was the path to liberty from the 10th amendment center the commercial uh which you can you can go to 10th amendment slash members to uh you should sign up you should Mm -hmm. you should become a supporter i mentioned that because the founder and president of the 10th amendment center michael bolden his his birthday was yesterday so happy birthday to our friend michael bolden multiple time guest on this program we love him to death uh go check out the path to liberty go check out the 10th amendment center so uh so that that's my that's my gift to him for his birthday is go 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 do those things so there you go there you go so anyway um did you hear about all the stuff about the sarah fuller about yes. her kicking for Bandy this this yeah. past weekend. Yeah, I heard. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So we're gonna because you know me, I love to just piss off everybody. So oh, we're yeah, gonna talk. We go. We're gonna talk about Sarah Fuller for a minute. <laughs> and we're running out of time, by the yeah. way. So we got to make this yeah. quick. Make so quick. there's a picture, by the way, right there of Sarah Fuller. Uh-huh. So she, so Sarah Fuller, she was the uh, she's the goalkeeper for the Bandy women's soccer team, which they they just won the SEC tournament, by the yeah. way. So they're a good team. Yeah, um, sure. So good player. Uh, so congrats to them. So here's so here's the story. Uh, Vanderbilt's got a game coming up. They just played Missouri, and because of the Modelo virus or injuries or whatever, they they literally like don't have a healthy kicker on the roster or or are down to like emergency kicker. Right. And so they they need to find someone else to kick. And so someone had the bright idea. Well, let's let's go to the soccer. But here, of course, like they didn't get they didn't get a guy from the men's soccer team. Right. They they. Sarah Fuller, the uh-huh. keeper for yeah. the women's soccer team, okay. was like, ooh, 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 me, 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 I'll do it. And they talked about it and decided, well, we'll, we'll try her out. And so yeah. they had a tryout and they, did, and they allegedly, of course, we're not, we didn't get to see the tryout. Right. Allegedly, yeah. hey, it was a good tryout. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll suit her up. She'll play. Yeah. Now, now, if you know anything about Vanderbilt, got blown out. They lost like 41 to nothing last weekend. <laughs> they're, they're 0 and 8 on the year, by the way. Vandy, yeah, yeah. Like they just fired their coach, Derek Mason. They just fired yeah. Derek Mason. Vandy's winless. Jeez. So in, in a lot of ways it was disappointing because uh-huh. she like, she didn't get a chance to kick a field goal or an extra point because Vanderbilt never scored. <laughs> um, but she did get to take the field yeah. because she got to do a kickoff. So I think right. like like the like the kickoff, the opening kickoff maybe of the second half or something. Yeah. She got to kick the ball off. So she did actually get to go on the field once. Um here's the thing. And you know, far be it for me to just leave the story right there where it is, but 
you just, it's, they just can't help themselves. It's just nonstop, just gushing by the press. Like, <laughs> so Vanderbilt's 0-8 and they just fired their head coach right. and they just got blown out. Yeah. And yes, and yet it's just front page news all over ESPN. Look at the talented and brave Sarah Fuller. And, and it, there, this, this was the, the article. This was never an easy path. Sarah Fuller and the winding road to two sport immortality. Oh, wow. You know, you know what the worst thing about it was? What's that? The kick was awful. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually had a clip of it and we decided we wouldn't play the clip just right. because if we do, then like the video will get demonetized on YouTube oh, and yeah. stuff because we yeah. don't own the rights to it. But if you're really hard up for it, just go to YouTube, type uh -huh. Sarah Fuller kick you and you can watch the video of her uh -huh. kicking off in last week's game. Yep. Is it was it was a bad kick. <laughs> so first of all, it was a bad kick. Yeah. Second of all, that was the only action she saw on the day. She right. just had the one kickoff, and, and it was it. god awful. Yeah. She she squibbed it, and it rolled to the thirty-five. <laughs> if if you or I were the were the actual kicker, and right. our kickoff rolled to the thirty-five, the next yeah. thing you would hear is your services are no longer required. <laughs> You'd be fired. You wouldn't have yeah. a job as a kicker right. if that was your kickoff. So anyway, it actually gets worse than that. It gets it gets worse that we all have to pat ourselves on the back and and do all this crap about how how historic and special. It, by the way, she's not the first female kicker in a football game. Right. She might be the first one like at an SEC school, but she's uh -huh. not even the first. Right. And there's actually been another girl, I think maybe in a Division Two or Double A game, that actually scored because she like hit a couple of extra points. Nice. So it's not even like she was the first. Right. She was just a recent, very high-profile example. Right. But if you really wanted, like, this all of a sudden has become a how you know a grind my gears segment, and I know we got to go, we're running out of time. <laughs> they named her the SEC Special Teams Player of the Week. Why? Because it's just so groundbreaking. Like, this is the thing. <laughs> It'll actually make it harder for any other girl to to legitimately try out. Say, like, let's just call it what it is. No girl would play any position other than kicker. Because kicker's the only position they could theoretically I play. A linebacker. Like there's no like in in order to take strength and speed yeah. out of the equation, they pretty much would have to be a kicker and nothing else. Right. Um the only way, like in the future, there'll be some girl wanting to be the kicker who actually is a good kicker, and she won't get an opportunity because they'll look at this girl having kicked and how what a terrible job she did. And then they won't give that other girl. So it's really just, it's really a bad story, not a good story. Yeah. But the fact that they gave her special teams player of the week, like, look, for you to, like, for you to be a special teams player and win the special teams player of the week, you have to have been like a return guy who like returned a kick for a touchdown. Or if you're a kicker, like you kicked the game winner, yeah. like, you know, you kicked the game winner field goal from 50 yards out right. and they carried you off the field, you know? Yeah. That gets you. T that gets you special teams player of the week. Yeah. So her winning it for not only not doing any of those things, but actually having performed poorly. That's not doing anyone any favors. That right. not only makes a mockery of the award itself, but it it sends the message that good 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 for you, young lady. You you did a thing, and so you deserve an award. Like it's patronizing. Yeah. It's patronizing. It is. And so I'm going to end this bit with this. You see the last picture. They actually had a sticker on her helmet 
This was what was trending on Twitter was play like a girl, hashtag play like a girl. And, and all I can say to that is, is I don't think that means what you think it means. Mm. We'll take our last commercial break. We'll, don't go away. Like our Facebook page, it's facebook.com slash TV. You can follow me on Twitter. That's Twitter at TV. Subscribe for our whole library at youtube.com slash TV. Also, don't forget as well, Parlor. Parlor yeah. at Alan Mosley. That's right. Um, we don't have any time, so I guess we can't him haul around and me say something horrible and, sure. you know, to get us canceled. Right. I've probably said enough today yeah. to get us canceled. Um, rest in peace, Walter Williams, yep. guys. Thank you so much, and we will see you next week.